This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey everybody, this is Lane with the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast. If you guys wanted to get some deal flow, go to my network tab on my website and sign up for the investor database. Run across some deals to you folks when I get them. Allows me to figure out what you guys are looking for, whether it's private money, lend deals, or bigger deals. We're starting the investor club. Also, if you guys have the time, please leave me a review on iTunes. It helps fight the uh, one-star negative reviews. And also share it with your friends. Today, we have Mark Walker on the line. How are you doing, Mark? Doing great, Lane. Happy to be here. Thanks so much. Mark is the founder of Luxmana Investments, which focuses on residential and multifamily investments. And Mark quit his corporate job and is now a multifamily investor. Mark, tell us a little bit about business and how much simple passive cash flow are you doing today? You know, uh, today my business is uh, made up about uh, 22 uh, rental properties here uh, in the Denver, Colorado market. And then about a year ago, I expanded into the larger multifamily space and I have a 64 unit property out in Irving, Texas. Uh, so it's Colorado and Texas are the primary markets that I participate in. Uh, I did escape the rat race back in January of uh, 2015, and uh, the goal that I had around that was to uh, have 200% of my expenses. So, you know, uh, I, I had the benefit of being a high-paid W-2 employee, so I didn't take the route of seeking to replace my entire W-2 uh, income, um, at least not up front. But instead, what I did is I set a passive income goal that was uh, 200% of my uh, monthly expenses, and uh, I, that, that's that's what it looks like. So um, I've never looked back since escaping the rat race. Um, I'm very happy to uh, have my freedom and uh, to be financially free. So let us know how you started off doing this. Did you start with single families first, then go into the multis? I think for anybody that's played that game, cash flow. You know, that was created by Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, if you're familiar with that, you know, my journey re resembles that. I started out doing small deals and I gradually just started doing larger deals. So um, my very first investment was in 2004. I bought a, a duplex uh, in South Denver and I owned that for a year or two. I, I fully intended to... Um, 1031 exchange into another uh, duplex, um, and instead I was kind of uh, you know hit a roadblock. I it was my greatest gaffe in real estate, which we can talk about. Uh, but uh, I ended up sitting out for the next few years, which really turned out to be a blessing in disguise. Uh, it was in 2010 that I really started getting involved in networking uh, for real estate again, and. I met a general contractor. Uh, we decided to scrape a couple single-family homes in a trendy part of Denver. And after we knocked down those homes, we built a three-story duplex on each of the lots. And uh, those obviously weren't um, passive cash flow deals, but it was in 2011 when the deal, when the money started coming out from those deals, that I uh, started buying rental properties again. And uh, that was a really exciting time. Um, you know, I built up a, you know, sizable portfolio here in Denver. And at that time too, you know, the market was a lot different than what we hear it is today. 
you know, uh, there was a ton of inventory on the market. I was basically buying when nobody else was. So I was able to take advantage of that. And that benefited me a lot. And then in late 2013, I actually bought my very first uh, apartment. It was a 12 unit apartment complex. And, you know, one thing led to another. I escaped the rat race in January of 2015. And then later on that same year, I bought a 64 unit apartment complex. Back up to 2010, because that seems to be the Han Solo moment. What was your portfolio up to that point? Were you just buying passively or? Yeah, you know, um, at, in 2010, um, I actually wasn't in anything. I had sat the prior, you know, a few years out. And so, yeah, you know, there was a Han Solo moment back in like 2005, 2006 timeframe. You know, I had mentioned I had owned that duplex and I sold that with the intent to invest it into another duplex in the Denver area. Uh, there was a company I discovered that had a really interesting business model. They were a builder. They built uh, duplexes. They built an entire community full of duplexes that were really designed to be a rental product. And they sold each of those duplexes off to individual investors. They also had a property management division. They had an arm that was a 1031 intermediary. They also had another arm that specialized in non-owner-occupied financing. It would have been a brilliant, wonderful business model if the people involved were honest. Uh, but uh, that actually led to what I call my biggest gaffe in real estate or my PhD in real estate, actually. Long story short, I ended up testifying to the grand jury and helped them get an indictment. And I was the second guy they put on the stand when, uh, when they did the official trial. Uh, the guy that uh, was the head honcho involved in that, he ended up getting over 130 years. It was the largest prison sentence ever given out in the state of Colorado for fraud. All is well that ends well. Fortunately, I did not invest any more than I could afford to lose. And there's definitely things that I do differently now as a result of that experience. Uh, but um, it probably was a blessing in disguise as well because – you know, I really, you know, sat out the next few years, you know, so I missed the crash. And uh, th that was that was a blessing in disguise. And I think it definitely changes me now today. I definitely trust but verify. I put more due diligence into, you know, uh, the people that I do business with. I don't hesitate to do a background check if necessary, depending on, you know, what I'm looking to do with them and stuff like that. But, you know, again, all is well that ends well. You know, there was some light at the end of that tunnel for sure. Yeah, so I recently bought, a few years back, I bought a a note, or I don't even know what it was. I didn't even really know anything about anything back then. But I bought a note within my self-directed Roth IRA for about 40 grand. And it was a house out of Pennsylvania. And I guess the deal was that I was going to get 9% back. With, and then when they sell, they get 50-50, or I get 50 of the equity, and they get 50% of it. They would operate it. They would manage it. They would do everything. Come to find out, the people were sort of crooks. And what I think what happened was they were just kind of keeping the portfolio afloat and just siphoning off whatever cash into doing whatever they wanted and, and then just having the LLC go under. And they themselves are eating caviar back at home. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, I, I do believe, I, I don't want to scare anybody, but I do believe that most people are honest, but it is definitely good to trust and verify. And that was a lesson that I learned the hard way. Uh, sounds like maybe it was for you as well. But 
you know, isn't it great? Well, I think we're both better off, you know, now having learned that lesson early on. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think I think shortly after, a few months after, I started asking around about these characters, and you know, everybody said, "Yeah, stay away from them." It was a little too late at the time, but I guess what are some what are some steps that you go through to verify people? I know you mentioned the credit report. How do you go about doing that? Well, um, first of all, the places that I look for people uh, makes a huge difference. Um, you know, first of all, I, I don't do business with anyone that you know I, I don't know or that somebody that I already know, uh, you know, doesn't have an experience. You know, doesn't already have some kind of experience with them. I think that's important. You know, and I think there's there's a benefit to that as well because I'll tell you, as I've scaled my portfolio and I've grown as an investor and stuff like that. You know, it's it's been the result of people that I've met or that have been referred to me along the way that have been able to help me. Investing is a team sport, so it is it is great to have you know partners and you know team up with people and leverage other people's resources and stuff like that. But you know, I definitely look for those types of people, you know, from you know trusted people that I've already done business with. Uh, and then of course, yeah, you can do a background check. Um, anybody, obviously, that's honest and has nothing to hide is is not at all going to have a problem with that you know and that's something you can turn around and you know rather quickly within a couple of days at most running a background check on somebody any website that you'd recommend there's a lot of them out there i forget the name of but you know they're all you know i'd say probably around forty dollars you can you know pay like a, a like for like an annual type membership or maybe that's per month you know where you know, you can just run unlimited background checks, you know, you subscribe and there are a lot of them that you can just subscribe to for, you know, a week or a month or whatever. And, you know, it's going to cost you 40, 40 or 50 bucks. It's, it's not that bad. It's going to save you a lot of money in the long run. If you, if you're dealing with someone you haven't ever uh, had any experience with. You mentioned this is the burn the bolts moment that you quit your job. Take us up to like the runway up to that point. You had the number in your head, but what else did you tie up loose ends before you finally took the leap? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that's something to keep in mind that, you know, even if this is something you aspire to do, if if you aspire to to exit the rat race, um, you know, this is a step that you can take right now in preparation for that. You know, like I said, I had set that passive income goal. You know, I was able to, I asked myself, what kind of lifestyle do I want to live? And um, I started living it right away. By doing that, I was able to uh, quantify or size up that lifestyle, know exactly how much it was going to cost me. It was by doing that that I was then able to say, okay, my goal is 2x that. And, and I, knew, I knew what that exact dollar figure was. That is something that everyone can do right now, even while you're working. You can start, you can decide what kind of lifestyle you want to live and you can start living it. And, and I just want to say too, I, I'm not cheap. You know, I've never been cheap. My, my family and I, were, were, we, we love experiences. You know, that's what we're all about is life experiences. And, you know, we went on a uh, Disney, World, Disney World vacation in September. We stayed for seven days um, at Disney World um, in five-star accommodations. My wife went to Paris for 10 days in, in October. Uh, I just was in Whistler for uh, five days, you know, back in January and skiing and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm certainly not cheap. I just say, you know, start living, start living your lifestyle um, right now and that you want to live. And then, you know, the other thing that was happening during that time frame is I was just laser focused on um, leveraging that income that I had and, uh, you know, in investing it in cash flowing assets. 
you know, I, I actually found a power broker. Um, what, I, I call him a power broker because, you know, he was someone that is an investor himself. He, uh, he's not just a, he's not just a, a real estate broker. So he's, he's been in my shoes. You know, he knew exactly when I told him what I was looking for, what my acquisition criteria was, he understood it right away. And he knew exactly what to go off and do. And I was able to leverage his system, you know, and his processes and in, in finding these kinds of deals. And, uh, you know, I was able to, in a relatively short amount of time, you know, acquire, you know, uh, several cash flowing assets. So, you know, I found a power broker. Um, I also developed a relationship with um, a portfolio lender. And uh, a portfolio lender is someone that, you know, will originate a loan and then they keep that loan on their own balance sheet. They don't turn around and sell it on the secondary market. And the advantage to that is, is that they'll typically allow you to build a portfolio of, uh, of rental properties as opposed to capping you at you know, three or four properties, which is what typical loan originators uh, will do because that's all that they, uh, that's all that Fannie Mae, you know, or Freddie Mac will allow them to do because they're turning around and selling those loans on the secondary market. So, you know, I found a portfolio lender. That was a big deal as well. And then the third thing is that I think was really critical during that time frame was I found an awesome property manager and uh, I didn't find it on my first try. It was actually my second try that I found the uh, awesome property manager, but they were huge for me as I was scaling my portfolio. You know, they manage those properties so much better than I ever could if I tried to self-manage. I don't want to knock self-management. I think there's a lot of very successful people out there that self-manage, but I knew that that was not for me from the from the very beginnings. You know, I really relied on my property manager. I agree with that too. A lot of people think that they do it the best and they probably do, but that's not the point. The point is the passive income. Yes. And, and I think too, if your, if your desire is to scale, you know, at a reasonable pace, there's better uses of your time than self-managing properties. But that's just my humble opinion. I think a lot of times people think of it as an ego thing that they have to make them feel that they're a part of the system. And that's a great way of filling your time. That's very true. Not being one of the big boys in investing quite yet, aka the accredited investor in the eyes of the SEC, it's tough to find good options for investing. But then I started investing in the American Homeowner Preservation Fund, or AHP Fund, which is crowdfunding the mortgage crisis in America. The fund collaborates with existing homeowners to keep them in their homes. It's a way to make great returns while feeling good about making a social impact. After investing myself in the fund, it was awesome when they approached me to become an advertiser of the company. You can start investing with as little as 100 bucks, and if you want the free Burn Zone book, please send me an email to lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. So Mark, what's your current two-week experiment and six-month project? Show us folks that you're working on things too. 2016, I finished up uh, re renovating the 64-unit property and got that property uh, restabilized, and it's it's now on autopilot, right? So I would love to find another 50-plus unit multifamily deal, but you know, to be completely honest, my top two goals for me personally in 2017 are around family and health. And I'm to the point where I know this probably sounds awful, but I don't really care if I make any more money. I don't want to make any less, but I, I don't really, I, 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 I'm, 
going into 2017, my, my goals are not around making more money or, you know, finding my next deal. It, it's all about, you know, authentic relationships, particularly with my family, um, spending time with my five-year-old daughter. You know, this is a time that obviously isn't going to last forever. You know, she's not going to be this age, you know, only she's only going to be this age once. So I'm really focused on that. And then obviously my health eating well, um, exercising, things like that. But if I could find another deal, you know, 50 or more units uh, sometime in 2017, I think that'd definitely be icing on the cake. I, uh, I definitely, as I think most investors, uh, most successful investors do, at least in my opinion, you know, they, they know uh, their unique formula for value add. They, they know what a good acquisition looks like. When they run across one, they know what they can do with it. They're, the outcome is you know generally fairly predictable for them because they know their strengths, they know their weaknesses, you know they know what they can do with the property. And so when that next deal comes around, um, I will definitely jump on it. Most likely, the, the outcome will be fairly predictable. I mean, what you're describing is kind of the a nirvana or the goal of any real estate investors to once you've got enough passive income that you don't really have to work, your priorities start to change. I mean, I think in and Forrest Gump, Forrest goes to the mailbox and Lieutenant Dang gives him that letter that says that Apple stock just blew up and now they don't have to worry about money anymore. I think Forrest Gump says, well, you know, now we don't have to worry about money. We'll focus <laughs> on other things now. Or he says, well, now we don't have to worry about that anymore. You know, check the box. What's the next thing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love, I love that scene as well in Forrest Gump. It's, it's, it's definitely, it definitely is nice being free. I'll, it's definitely something I don't take for granted, you know, and, and by saying I don't take it for granted, I, I mean that what I'm filling the rest of my days with really is family and, and, and health focused. So that's, that's what I'm focused on in 2017. Right. And it's kind of like playing with house money because it's not like you really need to make a deal. That's right. And it's good not to be desperate for a deal either, you know, especially right now with the market as hot as it is. That is something that, you know, I observe there's a lot of people out there that I think are desperate to make a deal. And I think that's a dangerous place to be. I think when you look at any um, real estate deal, again, you have to know what your acquisition criteria is and you have to stick to it. Don't ever get to a point where you feel so desperate that you start convincing yourself that something's a good deal when it's not. So know your acquisition criteria and stick to it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like in the stock world, you got Warren Buffett. I mean, people say he's, he's smart, but I mean, the guy just doesn't make any mistakes because he doesn't really take any risks. I mean, he just kind of sits and, and waits for that one company to come that's a no-brainer. He invests with them. That's kind of what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And, you know, I think Warren Buffett, you know, yeah, I really admire him as well because you're right. He doesn't make very many mistakes, and I, I think – you know, he is another great example of someone that, you know, knows exactly what he's looking for. He knows what he can, you know, he knows his own, his own company's strengths and weaknesses really well. Think that when he finds a deal that matches his special sauce, he can, you know, very quickly make a decision on it and he can take that company and he can reposition it just like we reposition, you know, real estate assets. He can reposition a company and, uh, you know, really come out on top for sure. Right. He looks for companies that have good management already in place. He doesn't have to do anything and a corner store on the market. I guess you and me are kind of the same way. We look for that class C apartment that's just managed terribly or has some advantage that we can unlock. And that's the value add. Absolutely. What is your simple passive cash flow number today? 
and imagine you had two times that amount. Describe your ideal day routine and what projects you'd be working on. Yeah, you know, my number is $20,000 a month. If I had $40,000 a month, um, I'd say it's full retirement in Central America. At that point, I think it's really questionable why even just, you know, stay where I'm at or even look for another deal, <laughs> period, you know. Um, I think uh, we'd homeschool my daughter and I think we'd, you know, find someplace nice and sunny um, on a beach somewhere <laughs> in Central America for sure. You know, we'd explore the world, um, you know, even outside of Central America and, you know, just uh, just uh, live free and uh, and enjoy the sun. I know a lot of people homeschool their kids who do this real estate stuff. It always seems to be a bunch of alternative philosophies. What's with Central America? About a year ago, I started ex overseas living and stuff like that. And I ran across a publication called uh, International Living. Uh, and I, I subscribed for a while. You know, what I liked about what they did is that they every year they do an index where they rank the top 10 places around the world to retire overseas. And I think places in Central America like Belize, Panama, I think Panama last year was number one on the list. Belize was maybe number four. Costa Rica was in the top five, I remember. There was just a lot of places in cent Central or South America that, you know, made the top 10. And so that just kind of turned me on to it. Now, by the way, too, I, I'll warn everybody, international living spams a lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, uh, if you're listening to this and you go check them out, just just beware. Uh, they, they do spam you quite a bit, but they do have some great information out there for anybody that's intrigued about retiring or buying real estate overseas. It's funny that a lot of entrepreneurs live in San Diego but then all their tech support and all the other people are living in Belize, Panama. I'm actually going to Panama next month to go check out the coffee farm there. Oh, very but, cool. Yeah, but, you'll have to let me know how that goes. I've actually never been down there. A lot of these people have drunk some wine and sat down what they really want and go and do it. And they don't, they take that glass ceiling off of what they really wanted and really start creating their future. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, when they go down there and they start sipping the wine, um, it's not doesn't take long to start uh, to start envisioning it either. So, something that you have recently thought about burning your cash on for a time savings or an improvement in quality of life? If I uh, wanted to do that, I'd probably go buy a, a Tesla P100D. I don't think that's officially out yet, but it's it's obviously incredibly impractical. I think it goes zero to sixty. I think the Current spec is just under 2.3 seconds, which is uh, pretty ridiculous. Uh, like I said, it's pretty impractical. I, I don't know that I'd actually ever buy one, but <laughs> since you asked the question and, and talk about burning cash, uh, that'd be pretty awesome. Tony Robbins identifies two large concepts that we're continually struggling to gain perfection at. If you died tomorrow and I were to email this to your kid a couple of decades later, what would you like them to hear? The science of achievement, I always say never stop learning. Learning leads to action and action leads to success. You know, I think that, you know, I heard someone say once too that they never lose. They either win or they learn. And I thought, you know, that is just such an interesting philosophy, you know, um, a way to reframe the possibility of taking risks or the possibility of, you know, um, success versus failure. I think we should always just be learning. And I think we should be putting our learnings into action. And, you know, I run into a lot of people that are interested in real estate investing. And they might even take the steps to listen to a podcast like this or read a book about it. 
but then they never take action. And it's because oftentimes they're afraid, you know, they, they don't want to take the risks and stuff like that. But um, if you don't take action, you're never, ever going to realize success, you know? So, you know, I really just encourage people to, you know, never stop learning. Learning leads to action and actions, what leads to success. On the uh, the art of fulfillment and how do you contribute back, I think there should always be a reason that we all, you know, have other than money for why we're doing something. I didn't just build a passive income portfolio because I wanted to live in a nice house or buy a fancy car or drive a Tesla P100D. I did it because I wanted to be financially free. I wanted to be able to spend more time with my family and my and, and, and I wanted to positively impact other people as well. You know, when I was a kid, you know, I loved playing with Legos. I loved building things, you know. Uh, I enjoy that today, and I'm able to do that with real estate. I'm able to give people a wonderful place to live. I'm able to improve communities, you know, both that are apartment communities as well as, you know, the, the larger community that that apartment complex is part of. I take pride in that. At the same time, I'm able to uh, benefit from that as well through passive income. You know, I think you really have to, when you before you do anything, you really have to start with um, a reason other than just money for doing it. So you mentioned your daughter's five years old. Have you ever considered this thing I call the Michael Jordan retirement where, I mean, you've got the passive income. Maybe it's not your $20,000 a month or $40,000 a month yet, but have you ever thought about just calling it quits for five to seven years while your kid actually likes you <laughs> and then coming back. Yeah. You know, that thought has crossed my mind, but I haven't pursued that, you know, hundred percent yet. I, I, like I said, I've definitely taken steps this year to, you know, focus on the family, but, um, that's tempting. That really is very, very tempting. And I like how you teed that up too, like, you know, while your daughter still likes you. Because <laughs> I think about that a lot. Boy, when she gets to be a teenager, I've, I've just heard some horror stories. So maybe that's something I should definitely put a little more thought into. That'd be a great time to spend analyzing deals at night. Yeah, definitely. Is there anything we missed, Mark? Uh, you want to get your contact information out there for people to get a hold of you? And then I understand you've got a free gift for folks. If you want to learn a little bit more about me or perhaps read some of my blog posts and things like that, you can find me at www.luxmana.com. Luxmana is spelled L-U-X-M-A-N-A.com. And if you go to um, forward slash simple passive cash flow, I do have a free gift as a way of saying thank you for listening. I've written a guide. It's called 10 Not-So-Obvious Ways to Boost Your Multifamily Property NOI. And, you know, I obviously dive much deeper into this, but one of the things that I love about multifamily investing is um, something called forced appreciation. You know, um, multifamily properties are valued based on their income. And so if I acquire a property, my objectives are pretty clear. I want to increase income and decrease expenses. And if I do that, then I'm actually able to force the appreciation of my property. I l absolutely love that about multifamily. And that's what this paper is all about. And it all, I also reveal some of the things I've learned along the way, you know, uh, some of the, the different ways to unlock you know, that value. Luxmana.com forward slash simple passive cash flow. Go check it out. All right, Mark. Well, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me, Lane. I really enjoyed the, the conversation. 
This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.